Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Daily Objective, brought to you by the Ayn Rand Center UK, where we apply the practical philosophy of objectivism to current events, or to whatever we feel like applying it to. Today, uh, we have our esteemed uh, producer, man behind the scenes, Daniel Krauss, uh, hanging out with us to talk about the recent uh, bribery and corruption charges brought against the New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez. For those of you in the United States, this has been sort of a top headline news uh, item for uh, going on for a long time. Of course, Bob Menendez denies the charges. They all do, don't they, Daniel? But he he denies them adamantly and he has, has even thrown his race uh, in as uh, as a as the reason, one of the possible many reasons he comes up with for people to persecute him and put him in front of the firing squad of the media. Um, they don't like seeing a Latino become a prominent citizen. Uh, unfortunately, this guy's record of corruption uh, goes way, way, way back. And Daniel's going to go into some of the details. Daniel, there comes a point at which somebody's got somebody says, where there's smoke, there's got to be fire. Now, you say that just if there's one instance. I mean, he was already more or less acquitted. There was a hung jury in a previous bri bribery scandal. But I mean, these scandals go even further back than that one. That was like 2014. But something happened in 2011. I don't know if you have you have a timeline. So just take us to this through this guy's record of corruption. And it's astounding to me that this guy's been elected twice to be senator of New Jersey with this astounding record of corruption. Uh, so you can tell us a bit more about the 2011 because I don't have that. But before oh, that, oh, just or do you want okay, to start? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, oh. so just, yeah, go ahead. Uh, just to start with this, so yeah, him and his wife, of course, uh, also, uh, Nadine Men Menendez and him, Robert Menendez, were indicted after a years long investigation. Uh, with him, oh, wait, also... wait, okay, if, you, if you're going to get into the current okay. stuff, let me just say that what I know about the 2011 case, he was under investigation by then, uh, uh, District Attorney Chris Christie. Uh, for profiteering from a, uh, a, uh, a charitable institution that was renting out a home that he owned in Union City. He made somewhere in the neighborhood of $300,000 in rents from this charitable organization that he lobbied for uh, as a senator. Um, of the Ethics Commission Committee, I guess, at the time claimed that this was not a conflict of interest uh, Chris Christie then went on to become governor, governor of New Jersey. The case was dropped for reasons that I'm not aware of. But, I mean, this guy's corruption goes back uh, a decade or more that we know of. So I think that an elected official receiving $300,000 in rent for a home that he owns to a uh, a um, nonprofit organization that he's benefiting by lob lobbying is is corruption to the highest degree, but it gets worse. I mean, it, let, let's talk about this current case that's cropped up. Go ahead. You you were yeah. about to start this years long Bef investigation. Yeah, before I talk a little bit about the current uh, case, the fact like the conflict of interest, the the way today's like bureaucracy is like everywhere. It's so hard to even like say when something is a conflict of interest, because let's imagine you are actually an honest politician. I know it's a hard to imagine, but just imagine it. I mean, try to think of like how many like things you have to stop doing because, you know, you yes. could have conflict of interest anywhere and uh, they don't really try to stop them. 
to stop with those. Uh, Indeed, yes. In a, in a state like a mixed economy, like the one that we have, where the political interests are intimately tied up with the economic interests of companies, and even in this case, a a a, a charitable organization, uh, any time that you can use political power to favor, you know, these interests, you are in a conflict of interest. You're not serving the fiduciary interests of your constituents, and and. So yes, that's the trade-off. That should be the trade-off in a mixed economy. You as a politician have to divorce yourself from pretty much every private activity, right? I mean, it, we know that Nancy Pelosi uh, became a multimillionaire in part because of her position as a senator. Uh, we know that her husband invested in companies right and, short, and sold uh, stock short right before certain you know, legislation was going to be passed. You can't tell me that that's not fruit from the poison tree. So yeah, I'm sorry, if you're gonna be a politician, you gotta give it all up in the private sector. And they should be because they should be servants of the people. They are, I mean, even calling them leaders shouldn't really be a practice because they are not, like like it said, the, the job of a politician should be to help people or you know, ideally to protect our rights. But even in kind of their idea of what the government should be, it still should be to serve the people. So some yes. you know, of your things might go away for the time you are in politics. And also, if you want them back, you shouldn't be in politics for so long, like uh, so many politicians do. Uh, but yeah, to talk about this case, so yeah, him and his wife were indicted. Uh, through, uh, three New Jersey businessmen who it, 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 well, everything this is alleged. It's not yet decided, so everything we say is is allegedly. But uh, three uh, New Jersey businessmen were also indicted because uh, they are suspected to be uh, one of the people he uh, acted on corruption. Uh, despite these charges, as Mark said, he refused to step down as senator. He refused to step down as senator even uh, in the last charge in 2015 where uh, he also had corruption charges, uh, but uh, he was acquitted since there was a mistrial, there was a hang jury. They couldn't agree if he was guilty or not. Uh, some politicians... Uh, uh, well, by the way, in that yeah. first one, it was a 10 to 2 vote to, oh, wow. vote to acquit. So somehow he convinced 10 jurors that he was innocent in a case where, where the, the, the ophthalmologist was actually convicted of uh, Medicare fraud. So, so that guy got sent to jail, was later pardoned by Trump, who, who was the guy who was the main advocate for this dude in getting Trump to pardon him? Of course, Mr. Menendez. So um, I, I don't know how he's able to convince a jury that he's, he's not a bad dude, but somehow in this case, he was able to convince them that it was money from a friend, gifts from a longtime friend, not from a person he was trying to influence pedal for. Uh, and uh, some people called for his resignation. Surprisingly, even John Federman, we talked about him in the past. Uh, it's also nice to see, but we haven't mentioned it, but Senator Menendez is a Democrat. John Federman is also a Democrat. So it's nice to see there is at least some party accountability, some you know people actually calling out people in their party. It's sad to see that it has to be John Federman, but, you know, better than nothing and so what he what he's accused of he provided sensitive u.s government information to egypt 
He took bribes, including cash, mortgage payments. I heard even gold, which is an interesting. $150,000 worth of gold bars. There was something like uh, 80 ounces of gold bars in this guy's safe. And I have to say, when they found the $480,000 plus of cash, it wasn't just in a safe, but scattered throughout his closet in, in uh, pockets of suits they also raided his wife's uh, safety deposit box where there was $70,000 worth of cash in there. I'm sorry, but he, now he, that's not the way normal people hide money. That's a guy hiding money in an attempt to, to evade some kind of search. And his claim is that, I guess, his country of origin. Uh, what is his country of origin? Do you know? Uh, I can Google it quickly. I, I, but his, his claim is that from it's a habit to uh, evade the authorities from whatever authoritarian country that his, his, his he or his ancestors come from. Uh, let's see. If I it's can... not that important, but it was it was it was an excuse that he made. Oh, Cuba. Oh, wait. Okay. There you... No, no, no. Uh, he was born to Cuban immigrants. He was born in New York City. Yes, of course. He was born in New York City and claims that his, his the reason he hides money all over the place the way he does is because of this, I guess, inbred sense sensitivity towards authoritarianism and fear of, you know, the authoritarian regime could stomp its jackboots through his door at any time, which is not quite unreasonable at this point in American life, but certainly strange since he was born in New York City and probably never experienced that in his life. Um, just to continue, he uh, to point to the businessman, he disrupted a criminal probe relating to one businessman. He recommended U.S. attorney nominee to protect another businessman. Uh, he, uh, as a shining bright uh, of light might seem, he stepped down as the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee due to charges. So you can see, okay, at least he has some accountability. But it turns out uh, he was forced to step down since that's yes. just a, uh, it's a rule. democratic it's a caucus rule. rule. Yeah. Uh, and of course, he denied all the allegations. And something notable also is that the, uh, the context of this is that the Supreme Court rulings in the last, I think, 10 years had made it uh, harder to uh, basically prosecute elected officials. And I even have one point that uh, Governor Bob McDonnell was convicted in 2014, and then later he was released. Like that ruling was overturned by the Supreme Court two years later when they changed these uh, things. So I, I was quickly trying to search if this is also some sort of uh, bipartisan thing that uh, made it harder to prosecute elected officials. But it turned out there were two rulings, at least that I found, making it harder. And both of them were, you know, uh, all of the Supreme Court justices voted for it. So it's uh, it's a bit interesting to see why the Supreme Court uh, wants to make it harder to, cha to, ch to prosecute elected officials. What do you think about this, like making it harder to prosecute elected officials. Well, I mean, on the one hand, you there are checks in the Constitution already that make it uh, that make it difficult to prosecute people for quote unquote political crimes and corruption. They want it to be that way so that the political class isn't uh, isn't 
incentivized to use politics to to uh, destroy somebody's political life and or imprison them possibly. So I could see why you would try to make it difficult within the political class. I think citizens should have a a, a wider latitude, a, a wider capacity to be able to hold their 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 government officials accountable. Now, how that's used within the government itself, I don't know. I mean, we've seen impeachment used now as a means of, uh, you know, disrupting government, as a means of disrupting the executive, who has far too much power anyway. But certainly the last two uh, impeachment proceedings we've seen did not go along legitimate constitutional uh, lines. Uh, they were clearly political in nature. There were no high crimes and misdemeanors. They had to stretch the meaning of those those concepts uh, almost infinitely in order to make them work. And so we are seeing the political class using the political system to, you know, to defeat uh, opponents. Uh, so if 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 the if the Supreme Court expands or sort of delimits that power, then that's good. We we need a James Valiant here to talk about the specific case, why it was brought up and how legitimate it is. Um, I'm for it being difficult uh, for the political class to to uh, engage in persecution, uh, but they should be held accountable to their constituents. So that is one way uh, they can be held accountable, and that's at the ballot uh, at the ballot box. But as we said, he was reelected. He's running again. Uh, maybe this time he will either be. Uh, you know, he'll actually be, what's the word I'm looking for? Prosecuted? Well, he is prosecuted, but that he will be actually... Convicted? Con convicted, that, that's the word. Right, he's indicted now, but he hasn't been prosecuted. Oh, okay. So, yeah, he should retire. He probably won't because he's a sociopath. The only way he's going to... Yeah, I can't I can't see him retiring uh, 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 or resigning uh, unless he saw that there was absolutely no way out and he could cop a plea somehow and escape justice. Um, there, I think there's a there's a hard on now for the Democrats to appear to be, uh, you know, to to appear to be just and using the system equally against their own members, right? Because it's clear in the Hunter Biden case that they've been stonewalling the Hunter Biden case because in there's lots of actual trails. There's 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 a reasonable uh, there, there, there's a reasonable question as to whether the 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 father has been involved in these bribery schemes. Um, it certainly his influence has been used to profit that that family by seventeen to twenty million dollars. So I think it's justified to look into it. Um, so I think the Democrats are now starting to throw people to the wolves in an attempt to prove that you know they are for equal justice. They are for the very things they've been claiming in their persecution of President Trump. So I think Menendez is is has has very bad timing right now. I think he will be one of the martyrs. Hunter Biden may be even a martyr, uh, as so if they could keep the distance between him and the president still around, and we may see one or two more fall um, for the sake of the pretense that the Democrats are somehow less corrupt than the Republicans. So what do you think about this idea? So he was forced to resign, at least from the. Uh, foreign relations committee but he wasn't forced to resign from the senate what do you think about making this a rule that he would have to <laughs> that if you are charged uh with corruption case you will be forced to resign because i could see 
the point for it and even why people are calling for it. But you could see the other side of the political prosecution and you you see even Supreme Court agrees to some extent that this might be a problem. So what do you think about, I mean, it will be best to have again, James for it. Yeah, but... I mean, I, I, in my amateur opinion, I'm not for that. Um, he's been indicted and he's, he's innocent until proven guilty. Uh, as much as I'm inclined to believe his long, long history of really shady dealings with people, puts puts the probability in in high order that he's he is the corrupt official that they're claiming he is he still hasn't been convicted yet by a jury of his peers and until that time then he can stand he can stand there if he were to resign of course i think the spot would be filled by the governor or maybe there's a state election that's held to fill the spot um uh, or i think the governor fills the spot and then uh, in the 2024 election there would be a, a election to to fill it um, and I'm surprised that Fetterman as well is saying, you know, this is uh, uh, this guy needs to resign because the Democrats are also politically savvy and they know that their margins in the Senate are very slim and they can't afford to lose people in the Senate. Otherwise, they're going to lose lots. Politically, they're going to lose lots. So there, there's got to be some confidence on their end that they could replace that seat with another Democrat who's less of a drag. Uh, and so what do you think about the fact that if he personally should resign, uh, maybe, you know, it should never be forced, but uh, if a politician is, uh, you know, in well, a case. Well, that's what, that's what, that's what, that's what, that's what uh, Nixon did. And that's what the Republican Party, you know, made clear to him that he should do because he had, he had lost all political support because um, it was very clear that he was covering up a crime. Um, the clearer, the, the more this evidence comes out um, and, and becomes a matter of, you know, public knowledge, the more this guy, if he wants to have, if he wants to maintain some semblance of public integrity, should resign. I mean, I think he should because I think people in public office should be um, above the fray. They should have complete integrity. They should be totally transparent. Um, and if there, if there is... Uh, this isn't just a suggestion, but an indictment and an indictment in a good, sound legal system means that, you know, it's gone through a grand jury process. It's gone through a, a already a due process to presume that there's enough evidence actually there to get a conviction. So um, that in itself is is a pretty powerful um, statement for him stepping down um voluntarily so one more interesting thing i saw in this and i found some parallels between uh uh some slovakia corruption cases if you want to hear about them uh is the fact that he tried to influence uh i'm trying to see what exactly it was uh oh that he wanted to he recommended u.s attorney nominee to basically yeah. protect uh one of his cronies and we had a similar thing in Slovakia when, uh, or, or rather, so it's interesting to see how corruption, like small corruption, uh, corruption in uh, when it starts with like some businessman, how quickly it goes to the justice system. And we had a, a similar thing in uh, Slovakia when one guy who made money basically of, uh, uh, if you know, uh, value added tax, what a value added yes. tax is. 
basically there's a 20% uh, added to all commodity, everything you buy. And this 20% like stays with you if you are a businessman and you have to give it to the state uh, every year when you do your taxes, basically. And he managed to make money of this and uh, basically defrauding the state of the money. And with that money, he uh, influenced, uh, he first managed to influence some judges. He managed to influence a chief of police. He managed to influence a political party. So then he basically had a chief of police. Whenever there was a case against him, he had the chief of police turn that case to one of the judges he controlled, and he would always be acquitted because the judge would always rule in his uh, in, in his case. And he had uh, the most uh, influential political party also controlling. So you had this complete web out in with one guy in the center, basically with just one simple idea of defrauding people of the value added tax. And this all escalated in uh, when he actually killed a journalist. There's a movie about it, if anyone wants to watch, it's called Killing a Journalist. And and after he that- he, he, yeah. he actually killed a journalist. Yeah. Uh, oh so my. you see, because uh, you know, this is a small, uh, country in Eastern Slovakia. So one guy can take control of this. Uh, but it's important to imagine how, yeah, power corrupts to such an extent. I mean, we even saw it in this case, how he wants to run for re-election. Re now, when you do some corruption, you now kind of have to uh, again run for election to again cover yourself and you keep just uh, snowballing all of this. I mean, if anyone wants to see maybe a movie about this, just watch the Breaking Bad. One small step eventually leads you to so many uh, incredible yeah, one com things. One, one compromise leads to more, to more, to more, to more. The more of reality you die, the more reality piles up into a tsunami-sized wave that eventually comes down and gets you, just like it did to Walter White. Um, it, it's going to get Bob Menendez too. It gets anybody who evades reality for long enough. Sorry, folks, you can fight the law, but the law will win. And so this, uh, when someone asks you, well, why can't we have just a small state intervention? Why can we have just a small social security, just a small this, just a small tax? This is why it, it will pile up. It will eventually lead to killing a journalist if... I have to put it in a situation. Yeah, well, it's like because you've seeded the moral moral consistency, right? You you've 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 given you've given up the the inviolable nature of rights and said, but as long as you can say but behind an inviolable right, um, that but is the wedge. And the the amount of rights violation that then comes is just a matter of the discretion of those who are abusing the rights and the people who allow them to. So once you cede the right to take somebody else's property for the common good, it's 1% today, it's, it'll be 60% at some other point. And I mean, look, with the, the, the federal income tax was sold to the American people as a tax that would, that would, that would be of only about 3% and would only affect probably 1% of the population. It was against the wealthiest, right? And it was, it was, it was, proclaimed that it would never go beyond that. So it was passed into the constitution as an amendment to the constitution. And can anybody say right now that that has been the case, that that has remained the case? No, 
every single program as Rand uh, has pointed out was supposed to be a temporary program that the government just instituted to solve this particular problem. And then once that problem was solved, you know, it was going to go away and they've grown and grown and grown and grown. So now entitlements um, are the, the vast majority of our debt. So it's not just to help old people or to help people without, you know, proper medical care or to help the impoverished. It has now become political patronage and that patronage is growing and growing and growing by the year. And uh, how you said it started with the wealthy, you know, we just want to put uh, wealth tax. We just want to tax the rich. And uh, I always, I oftentimes hear uh, people arguing against objectivists or uh, libertarians that uh, why are you defending the rich? You're never going to be rich. Uh, wh why do you see it uh, like so important? This is why it's important. It starts with them because they seem to be the less the least morally defensible, like you cannot defend the wealth. So they always start with them, but it will always yeah. go down. In, in, in the altruist sacrificial system, um, the wealthy are indefensible. Uh, luckily for rationally self-interested people who believe in individualistic ethics, the wealthy are just as defensible as any other individual. So long as they're getting wealthy by producing values and exchanging with other people freely, their wealth is deserved and they should have what, they, uh, what they've created. Um, and, and they shouldn't be the martyrs to some social cause uh, because once you've established that a martyr to a social cause is a good thing, the martyrdom trickles down, folks. It trickles down. Uh, so quick announcement, quick announcements in uh, about three minutes. We have the reality show. Uh, it's going to be about the legacy of Rupert Murdoch. He stepped down as the, uh, what did he step down? Uh, Fox, Fox News, but I don't know the exact title. Yeah, well, so now he's he's going to become like the uh, an emeritus, a chair emeritus, I guess, of, of the entire Fox empire. Uh, so link for that is in the chat. Uh, thank you for my thank you, Mark, for doing this with me today, and we'll see you a couple minutes later. Bye, everyone. Peace.